When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Honest Field Guide podcast, a weekly show dedicated to winning in entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Ginger Birkenbuehl. I'm the CEO of Burke Creative, a leadership, brand strategy, and visual identity agency dedicated to helping scale brands and assist with their adaptability with the market. On my show, you get to eavesdrop in on intimate conversation with business leaders and inspired entrepreneurs designed to give you tips and strategies so your own business can thrive. Subscribe and join me each week for laughter, inspiration, and honest stories. I'm Ginger Birkenbuehl. Welcome to my show, The Honest Hill Guy Podcast, recording live for the 2024 Sundance Film Festival in Park City, Utah. I am so glad that you're here. Thank you for coming to my show. You could be anywhere in the world, but you've decided to come here and listen to my show, The Honest Hill Guy Podcast. And I am so, so, so incredibly excited about that. I'm just so thrilled. Um, please leave a review on my show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. I would love a five-star review, of course. The more people that review my show and leave a positive impact, the more people can listen to my show, and of course, my guests get attention there. So, Sundance, Sundance, Sundance. This is a wonderful place. I have not been to the Sundance Film Festival in t- since 20, 2003, back when my music was in a song in a film called All the Real Girls, which was David Gordon Green's second film of all time, and he won a huge Sundance Award for this film. And then the next time I was here was in 2004 with um, Gabe Rhodes and Scott Prendergast with their big, giant short film called Anna's Being Stalked, and it was a film that the late and great Robin Williams loved, and they won a huge award for that film as well. We had two songs in those two movies. Sundance was a lot different in 2003 and 2004. I mean... Grant and I, my husband, my songwriting partner from my band, Utah Carol, like we were walking around Sundance, hanging out with Robert Redford, all the movie stars. It was like a, it was like a whole different vibe. The corporate influence back then was Robert Redford. That was the corporate influence back then. He was the liaison to all things, you know, in the Hollywood industry. Now it's very different. You know, now there's a lot of really large brands here. It's a really tightly well-run machine, but... The one thing that hasn't changed about the Sundance Film Festival is the opportunities to meet really smart and interesting people in the most random of places. You know, it's like, that's the one thing that hasn't changed. You have so many opportunities to meet people that could change your life. And I am really pumped because I am here with Alex Laura, and he is a Spanish film director. Um, He just was awarded the 2024 Sundance, the short film Grand Jury Prize for his new film, The Masterpiece, which is amazing. I have not had the chance to see it, but I've seen the blurbs. 
I read about it, I heard about it from his wonderful wife, Erin, who I happened to meet in the hallway, which is how I even met Alex in the first place. And I also even met your assistant, who's sitting over there um, having a business call. Um, Alex's films are marked by complex narratives, which tackle social issues. Alex has entered hundreds of film festivals and received multiple awards and nominations around the world. Alex is also a Fulbright scholar, um, has worked internationally as a script analyst, editor, cinematographer, writer, and director. Alex is the recipient of seven Emmys for his work as a director, producer, and editor during the last 10 years of the CUNY TV show Nueva York, right? Um, so, Alex, welcome to my show. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> I'm so happy you're here, too. So, tell us, first of all, Alex, please tell me, what is the masterpiece about? The masterpiece, it's um, a short film about um, class and racism overall, you know. And it tells the, um, the story of a brief encounter between Leo and Diana, who are a kind of a wealthy couple that go to a recital center, a recital spot to leave a broken TV, you know, because they think that they have this conscious, they use a Tesla, you know. And there they meet um, Salif and Youssef, father and son, who are two immigrants. And she kind of feels pity and invite them home to to give them more junk besides the TV, you know, that she ends up giving the TV to them instead of recycling it, right? And I think once they are there, um, the audience might find some unsettling situations between these four uh, characters plus the wealthy couple's son. And at some point she realizes that the immigrants might have something she wants. And I don't want to. No spoilers. Oh my God, this sounds so, it sounds mysterious and amazing. It's mysterious and yeah, and it, I think it's thought provoking. Yeah. It's thought provoking? Okay, so. so this is the masterpiece. I mean, I can't wait till I have the opportunity to see it. I'll if give you, you a link right after. I would love that. Oh my God, I'm going to get a link. I mean, the thing about Sundance is um, there's so much to do here and there's so many things to be distracted by, beautiful things to be distracted by. Mm -hmm. The films sell out so fast here. Like, you just cannot, I mean, you're just like desperate to see certain movies and you can't get in, especially movies like yours, The Masterpiece, which, of course, now, I mean, it's impossible, right? Because, um, you know, tell us what happened. So, your film, it has been, The Masterpiece has been picked up. I mean, you won the award yesterday. You found out yesterday, but your film was signed the day before. Talk, yeah, talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been crazy. Uh, you know, it's very exciting to be at Sundance, but on the other hand, we are independent filmmakers, you know, so yes. we need support from third parties to kind of keep doing uh, what we want. Even just the fact of coming here is very expensive. So the day before the festival started, uh, we start Plus, which is a media company kind of well known in Spain, um, reached out saying, hey guys, uh, sorry that we didn't reach out to you earlier because we contacted them like a month ago. But I think we have a deal here. But you gotta put our logo and the credits in the in the piece, you know, because if in Sundance it does not screen with that, we don't have a deal. And then I was like, well, you know, you are calling me from Spain, by the time it's 5 p.m. in LA it's gonna be 8 a.m. There's not gonna be, you know, time that they're gonna wake up at seven and read the email by eight, accepting <laughs> exactly. a DCP to exactly. play the day after. I mean, this is an, you know, it, that this does not make sense. I still, I prepare the DCP just mm -hmm. in case. And it was when it was around six a.m. in LA, um, the the guy from the print department contacted and they said, "Yeah, sure, Alex, and that's the new DCP." And I was like, "Oh my God, that's so good." And so, how did it feel the night, the next night? What were, what exactly were you doing the next night when you found out that your film? 
won the grand jury prize for short films. Like, what happened? It was on a roller coaster of emotions. Really? Yes. Because your, your wife was with you at that point. She hadn't left yet, right? She, we were all together. Oh my gosh, yeah. wow. I mean, we were missing um, Sandra and Luis, who are the main producers of the short film. And Luis is also a little bit who put created the seed sure. of the whole project. Okay. So we were missing them, but you know, uh, he was working, she was with the baby, she, they could not come and they were missed. But the rest of the, the production team was there. The actors could not make it either. Um, I mean, were you, were, like, so, did you have any idea you were gonna win this award? I mean, what, what, what no, happened here? No, like, for, I mean, for me, the prize was already, for me, the prize was making the short film because I finished- That was uh, the prize? Yes. <laughs> I finished another feature film and it was kind of a tough job uh, right. and I just needed a breather, something that I could have fun with, uh, you know, make it with friends, these kind of things. So once that other feature, which, you know, it's unicorns, you can watch it on filming and you're in Spain, I don't know about the international yeah. distribution. And I want to ask you about that later actually about unicorn, but I'm just, you know, I feel like I was talking to, and he's your assistant, right? Is it your assistant? Yes, yes, right? yes. What's, it, what's your assistant's name? Christian. Christian, that's right, Christian. Christian said it was a complete shock. You had no idea. It just it was like, seemed like it no. came out of the blue, which is, which is beautiful. It was, I mean, we, to be honest, we had some hopes that we, maybe we would win the international award. An international so award, we right. We were aiming for that, and when we heard international award goes for the stack. So, you know, I was like, that's... It's not for us, you know, so I approached the team and I said, hey, I don't want to see anyone sad, you know, we are here, we're having a great time, so please, everybody happy. Oh my God. And then they said, you know, uh, US short film award for this or short film, and I thought that was it. And then it was a kind of a moment, you know, and they were like, oh, and we are missing, you know, the the most important award, the Grand Jury Prize, right? Yes. And we, at that point, when they said it, they said that we were not paying attention. You weren't even paying attention. Because, you know, we, we felt like, yes, get out of there. And suddenly, we were like, oh, and these are saying things that kind of, you know, when they say, like, it's difficult to make a movie in 90 minutes, so imagine in 20 minutes, and I was like, oh, our movie is 20 minutes. And then right after that, like, 15 seconds, they said the title, and we were like, we started shaking, crying. We were shaking, crying. Yeah, we didn't know what to do. Oh, my you know, God. They me, like, you have to go there. You have to go to the States. And I was like, what am I going to say? I'm going to start crying in the States. And I was actually crying, trying not to, you know, not to show it. And I didn't even know, you know, because sometimes you prepare something. I had nothing prepared. You had nothing prepared? Yes, right, to thank everybody. So it was a mess. Did you miss yeah. somebody? You missed somebody that you should have uh, thanked, right? I, I mean, mean I, you I, got I, your wife, right? I think you my guys, wife, wife and your children, kids, your mom yeah, and dad. And yes, all people. Yes, yes, okay, yes. good. At least you got that. The so producers that were not there, all these people were there. But then I was like, my friends, you know, and my friends, it's kind of. Uh, it's big. It's big, and I will have love to say some more names there, but it's fine. Well, you know, there's always other opportunities to do that. You know what uh, I mean? Like, you can do like a TikTok and an Instagram, and you can do a LinkedIn. So I just want to read um, what they said about um, the film, because I was actually. Um, I feel like I. I I read something um, in here, and it was um, it was something really exciting about what they said. I mean, they said they said that there was just some very special things about your film that were very different from the other films that were submitted. But let me come back to that. Um, all right, so I also want to understand. So you're a writer, and you've actually written your first film, right? Your first, you wrote your first film, but this one. What made you decide to say yes to directing and producing this film? Like, what happened that you said, I know you said a minute ago, you know, I needed a break from this long narrative I just worked mm -hmm. on, but 
like you had you probably have choices right so what how did this film yes end up working i out? mean Luis Piles is a good friend not only a good friend he's my neighbor when i am in barcelona i still have that little apartment there you know it's just super small but it's good for us when we go to visit for you know with the kids to stay there he lives like one minute walking okay so right literally right. even less you know so we met in 2007 in the film festival circuit and since then you know we've been in contact he's a very successful guy you know now right. he has a big tv show for netflix and and i don't know when he had this idea we were talking about it and he was like producing another film that we didn't find the money and I wrote that one with uh, my friend Alfonso Amador. And then uh, I was like, you should contact Alfonso Amador to co-write it. So they co-write it together. And the idea was that Luis would make this film. But then we were talking and he was like, Alex, you know what, I'm super busy, you know, and I cannot do this because of the TV show. And I think this tackle exactly the social issues you like. So I don't know, do you want to, what do you think about it? And I was like, Okay, why not? I need to do something for fun. No pressure at all. If it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. It doesn't matter. And I reconnect with a profession that I love without pressure, which sometimes it's very, very nice. Right, right, yeah. right. I love that. So, I mean, the other thing too, though, Alex, is that, I mean, you've been doing this for a while. So it's not like this is your first time to the rodeo here. Like you've been making films for years. So when, when, you're, when you say to him, sure, let's have fun with it. Let's relax. Let's chill. I mean, you have an entire ecosystem ready for that you know you're not you're not a young filmmaker we got to start gathering things together and planning like you just you already can click things in your brain right to just activate yeah i mean when i was reading it i was already i mean that's what you do you know that's as what you a, do as a director you read something and you are projecting images yeah. you are creating tools yeah. and then if you connect with that or it makes or you feel attracted to what you're reading then that's a very good sign so more times you feel kind of detached and this did not happen with this, you know, I was already reading, and plus I, I knew... You were, like, channeling at a high energy yes, already at that yes. point, you know, and you were kind of, you were already at a high energy, but you were looking for the high energy, but a little beautiful, positive, happy, yeah. light thing, and you got it, you got what you wished for. Yeah, yeah, I feel sad a bit uh, for you, because he was like, so he wanted me to edit, um, you know, co-edit his big Netflix TV show, but then I was like, I really want to make the short film, but if I make the short film, I cannot be co-editing your show. Like, <laughs> I yeah, love it. I know, I know. So what are you going to do, you know? I was like, yeah, I think I'm leaning towards making the short film. I was like, you know what? Do whatever you want. I'm not going to get mad. I would prefer that you, you know, right. join my team. Right, the, like, the, money, the money chain team. But right? then I told him, you know what? I think for this time, I really, I, I don't really need to go for six, seven sure. months to an editing room. I need to be, we say in Spain, the, the head of the mouse instead of the tail of the lion. You know, I don't know if that makes sense. To make something small, but I have, that I have no pressure and that okay. I can, you know, manage and take my own decisions than being, you know, like a part of a big thing, which is already what happened. Even if I was directing it, it's what happens with Unicorn, you know, that you are a director, but you are a part of something, you know. And right. Even sometimes for taking decisions. It's not always that easy to take decisions, you know. You know, let me ask you about Unicorn. So I was actually, um, I was reading about about this this film, and it sounds really, really fascinating, right? It sounds completely wild. Can you talk a little bit about this? Because I read that it's about sex, drugs, and an Instagram post. Right. <laughs> what does that mean? It sounds like wild. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's uh, about capitalism as well. As the masterpiece, it's about capitalism. The masterpiece is not the short film. It's the system, you know, and how... The system is so evil that even shape us. Right? I'm, you all know I'm, I'm all about that. We got I got it. Yes, I can't wait for this. So unicorns was the same thing. Uh, the system puts a lot of pressure over over everybody, especially over women, 
and you know you mix that with your social media and it's pretty bad and I'm not saying you know that I'm, I have nothing against the phones I think and um, social media I think they are amazing tools but on the other hand um, e, there must be some education re and responsibility towards that you know mm -hmm, otherwise mm -hmm. if you put those tools in you know uh, 15 year old guys and then they are 25 you know uh, they've grown with that I don't know and then um, it's a story about this girl Isa who is a little bit lost and she works in a kind of a talent agency she's a copy but she wants to be a talent but she has not much talent right so she was these, these campaigns and another very well-known photographer gets that those campaigns which is very kind of peace and jello jellos she's also polyamorous because uh, she does not uh, believe in monogamy because her parents yeah. are are separated, you know, divorced, and that kind of created a trauma on her, so okay. she does not buy the monogamy anymore. And the boyfriend, uh, he's tried polya, you know, pol the polyamorous relationship for a while, but now he just wants to be exclusive, and she's not. She's like, I'm not having that. No. Sorry, babe, I'm, I'm not having that. Exactly. I, I just, like, I like having variety, multiple, multiple relationships. I like I have I like multiple pieces of action. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so at some point, I mean, I, I say this of course because you're a dad and I'm a mom, and like we just don't aspire to that. But I get you know I mean you know I I, I appreciate that you made a movie out of it. So now I gotta go see that too. So I'm really excited about this. So um, I also um, you know I was thinking about this. Um, so I really love documentaries, and I know the masterpiece isn't a documentary, but you've done so many documentaries, and like those are. Probably my husband and I. Be, that's our favorite type of film. Um, what is appealing to you about documentaries? That um, and and my next question to that is going to be: Now that you've won this award, are you going to like move away from documentaries? So answer my first question first. Like, what's appealing about the documentaries? Uh, the process is different. Is it? It's completely different. Uh, okay. With a fiction, you create right. something in your inner inner world, and you want to change the outside. You have to make the outside work for your piece and everything is a lie you know you have the set designer everything's a lie yeah. you know, you're trying to sure. to recreate that vision that you have in right. the reality and it's something that is not needed at the Got end it. you know so that's also a, a tough for the director sometimes because you have to and this lucrecia martel was saying this actually that you have to reaffirm yourself mm -hmm. all the time because that's not needed and you are creating this lie in the real world right it's still interesting but uh, with documentaries the process instead of going from inside to the outside it's the opposite. Everything comes from the outside to the inside, you know, and you are more open, you are, you know, filming, knowing that your story can change, learning things, you know. I'm not saying that you don't learn things on the other on the other projects, but it's it's kind of different. Uh, also the um, relation the relationship you have with uh, your subjects, it's very rewarding, you know, mm -hmm. especially when you are tackling social issues. Mm -hmm. That's um, that's very nice. So let me ask you a question about that. So um, there's some documentaries where you can see the director's eye really obviously. Mm -hmm. You can see the bias of the director. Um, and I'm not sure, like I haven't seen enough of your films and this is like, the first time I've, heard, I've learned about you and I'm already like, I'm gonna see them all now. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, first of all, I, you know, my husband and I were obsessed with foreign films as well, but, <coughs> um, but um, how, do you, how do you present, per, how do you prevent and resist bias when you're filming a documentary? Because again, um, I'm thinking about a recent documentary I saw, which was which was focused on the Beatles, right. on Apple TV, right. and um, this is not this is not a, an ad for Apple TV at all. But it's one of the first documentaries I've seen that I feel like I didn't see the director in the film at all. Right. Somehow right. Um, it was played out, and it, and it just like you just you almost felt like you were there without anybody else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And I don't know how to do that. I feel like that's hard because you are who you are and you film and you look out and as you said, you're letting things come to you from the outside, but I do feel like there is something about your eye and your cinematography that might tell a story that isn't necessarily the story of the subject. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I think it's very, very difficult to, to not affect the reality, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, even these quantic uh, theories, you know, the Heisenberg principle says that the moment you are observing an atom, the behavior changes. So if it happens in that microscopic, you know, quantum, uh, environment imagine what happens in the real life so the idea that you can that you are not affecting and that you are not putting yourself in the movie for me it's it's um, it's science fiction for me okay I, wow I, mean, I, don't accept it. I mean you're blowing my mind right now seriously Be this is great I love it because you are there talking with the subjects you know and it's that they are not there with the inner self you know they are being questioned sometimes even if I, the documentaries I do uh, I make they are very test style, you know, we try to follow this uh, 60s style of being the fly on the wall, but that's also a lie, you know. If the wow. fly is in the wall, the fly is there as well, you know. Right. So I like to follow them because it creates kind of a more cinematic style. You get rid of the talking heads, which is something that in my documentaries I don't like. And okay. on the other hand, it, oh. it gets a bit more difficult because you cannot, sometimes you can, you are hoping and you really want to ask that question but you to, to, to tackle that thing but you are just waiting for that to pop up but when it pops up in a very you know natural way in conversations with all their peers and stuff it's way more powerful right you know, it emerges right wow i love that i mean quantum physics <laughs> oh my god that's why you're a fulbright scholar oh my god <laughs> that's why we got alex a fulbright scholar okay so um you also are the master of short film you mentioned a minute ago you came off of a long form narrative, or what? So, what's what's your situation between short and long form film? I mean, do you do you? Why are you so great at short films? I mean, I okay. Here's let me just say this: I love short films. I love short stories. I've written songs on my record based on short stories I've read. So I'm obsessed with short stories and short 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 fiction. Right. Um, so what what's happening with you in short versus long? Is that a, is that a complicated question for you? No, no, no. I okay. mean, short films, you, can, you don't need much help to make short films. We could get this uh, phone now and maybe we can do it later and go make a short film, you know? You can we need... do it? I'll oh, do it with you. Yes. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> you know what I'm I mean? in. We're going to be a movie star. No, go ahead. You don't need okay. the, the infrastructure. You yeah. need to make a feature film, right? Okay. Um, so I like to convey stories, and I think short films is something that it's a little bit underrated, but sometimes it's even more difficult because you are explaining, you know, a movie in 80, 80 90 minutes, and if there are parts that are a little bit so-so, you have you still have time to readdress and yes. make the audience um, compelled or attached to the movie again, but with a short film, it's way more difficult. Yeah, I mean, it's like trying to write, like, content for an X post versus uh, content for a LinkedIn post. Like yeah. LinkedIn is like, you know, what, 10,000 words or something? And like X, you have such a limit. Mm -hmm. um, and I know as a writer myself, um, it's easy to like put things out there and then you have to edit, right? You have to take it away. So sometimes you have to start somewhere from a place of edit to do a short film because you don't have time. Right. And that's harder. Right. I mean, that's harder. So I love, I mean, if you can, ma I mean, so how about you with the long form film? Do you feel that 
do you feel like the process to go from long from short to long is is okay? Like you can do it, and would you rather just be working on long films from now on? I always, or not sure. I mean, uh, the thing is that uh, you barely get money making short films, and, okay. and you do get paid to make uh, feature films. You know, that's uh, there is a difference. I in, did in, not know that. In there, it's, okay. In the past, you know, like fifteen years ago, you would get some money, no much, because uh, especially in Europe and Spain, because uh, the you would get grants from. Um, even the city hall of the cities, you know, they would they would screen your short film and you would get a prize, things like that. <coughs> Sorry, but that doesn't happen. Anymore. Doesn't happen anymore. No. Interesting. Wow. Okay. So you have a film called We Are Living Things. It was your writing debut. Yes. Is that correct? Uh, correct. It's directed by my good friend uh, Antonio Tibaldi, and uh, it's based on my short film Only Solomon Lee. Right. And it's also based a little bit on my documentary, The Fourth Kingdom. We even use some of the same locations. But I, I co-wrote it with uh, Antonio. Uh, it was something that, since I made the short film, I had the idea to make, you know, a feature version of that short film. There are short films that you can pull, you know, and, yeah. and, and you can actually write something long, which is the case of this one. Uh, and you directed this one too, correct no, no, or no. not? I only uh, wrote. So wait, it. let me let me understand something. So can you not direct films that you write, or did you? Is that what you? Was that your choice I mean, intentionally? You yes, did not because wanna... I think okay. that happened there, and I understand. Uh, in Spain, you use the money from the government, right? But here in the United States, it's private money. So when I yes. approach with a script. Uh, it's like, I don't know if we can trust you. You don't have uh, any feature film made yet. And I was like, yeah, but I have the documentaries, you know. Right. So um, it's, sometimes it's tricky. Uh, wow. I hope that now the situation will change because I already have a different corpus. But I understand, though. It's private money. They want to make sure to have a director that has experience. And, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, the 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 perception of, of doubt and uncertainty can drive me crazy sometimes here. You know, where people just don't believe what they see. And they got to, like, you got to, like, Prove every single second of the way what you're doing. It's right. just, you know, you got to keep proving and proving and proving. And sometimes you still don't get there. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's still a no. And even though you're just like, I've, I've, I've laid out the gold standard for you. Like, aren't I good enough? Like, what's wrong? You know what I mean? So I love that story. So I want to ask you, um, I want to, there's a few more questions I want to ask you. Um, so did you grow up around filmmaking? Did some, was there an artist in your family? Like, how did you get here? How, no, what happened? No, no, no. Well, what's the story behind your, your emergence uh, I was, of this? Uh, you know, my parents came from very humble families. My grandma didn't know how to read and write. She you know, did not. My parents didn't go to high school or anything. So for them, it was very important that we go. We would go to college. You know, mm -hmm. it's this projection of that the new generation has to be better in a way than the generation, yes. the prior generation. Yes. Right? But uh, the thing is, I was not a great student, you know. And I was skipping classes sometimes in high school. But when I was skipping classes, now I, I want to think that I was doing something that was kind of, you know, worth it. How old were you then? Like 15, 16. You had thoughts like that at 15, I love it. Yeah, and then I would go to the um, um, library of the Filmotech, which is like five minutes walking from home. Okay. And I would sit there and I would watch movies and I actually became friends with uh, with the guy and he was recommending me movies, you know. So I discovered there, you know, the back, the neorealism, you know, all these things. And there was one specific movie that I was like yes what is it I can do this I mean and I, what movie I, it's, was it's it? gonna sound super pretentious right because he's a you know great master he's yeah. uh, Chris Marker yeah. and the movie was La Jete it's a 27 minutes movie that it's made out with pictures and there is only a blink that it's real in the whole movie 
the other thing is pictures, 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 a voiceover, and it's a science fiction movie. Actually, I'd like to uh, see it. The Twelve Monkeys that, that Terry Gilliam yes. directed yes. is based on that movie. You know. Oh my goodness! And by that time, I made the connection because it was 2015, and I remember going to the theater to to watch uh, this other movie, uh, Twelve Monkeys. And then I kind of knew that I wanted to kind of create movies. I was good at painting. Like, was it that moment that you knew, or were you? Was that were you? Was it your journey to that? And then that was like the, boom! I figured it out now. I there was something that I would like to do this. You know, still I was painting, and I wanted to get to the to the. Um, Fine Arts College, yeah, mm -hmm. but I didn't pass the exam. Mm -hmm. uh, there was today's exam in which you had to, you know, paint something that they were showing, then make something. So I didn't pass it. Uh, my parents were not very happy because they wanted to, me to be a lawyer, things like that. Yes, and of I, course. I, I want to paint, and they were very, very, very concerned about my future. And once that didn't work, I think they were happy that that didn't work. And then <laughs> I was like, well, then I want to make films. And they were like, uh oh, man. Yeah. I mean, only rich people make films. What are you talking about? That is you so know, you're funny. You're crazy. And, and I made What's it work. What did you say? I made it work. I started um, hanging out with friends, making short films. My mom sometimes was pissed because I was with the friends there until 4 a.m. in their apartment, you know, when I was 19. So sometimes she was like, okay, I want you all of, out of here, you know? <laughs> I was like, no, we are editing, we're creating, mama. But, but at some point. I love that story so much. Yeah. They just started to see that I got a job as an editor and things kind of. Um, worked out. So they started seeing that you were actually making something more than just, you know, an art person on the street with a tin cup. I mean, they were yeah. like, oh, so this actually is a thing, you know? I and mean, I mean, isn't like in Spain, though, I mean, culturally, um, similar to France, isn't there a celebration of film and art? Yeah, yeah. So I did mean, your parents, did they, I mean, did they not necessarily understand it in that way? Exactly. Or? It depends also in class. You know, I think okay. culture, it's okay. uh, something, it's changing, but, you know, like 20, 25 years ago, it's related also with class. You know, you can oh. you can enjoy art if you have an okay economical situation. Understood. Otherwise, otherwise you have other priorities, right? And back okay. then also, the economical situation at home was not working because my mom opened a kind of a groceries store that, you know, was creating debt instead of um, bringing money to... So it was not a good time. Got it, know? got it. So and she they was were really... very concerned. And, but at some point, what I think they realized is that I was happy, uh, which is something very important. I think that uh, we put a lot of pressure in our kids to mm -hmm. make them do all those things that yes. we could not make, you know? Yep, I do and know. And you just have to push them to be happy and see what are the things that they do well because I remember my parents being very frustrated when they were having their meetings with the professor you know one even said like I don't know I think your kid is not he's not he should not go to college actually he should work <laughs> something related with architecture you know says maybe, the Fulbright scholar he shouldn't go to college tales there you know you always got that one teacher that says they shouldn't go to college yeah so they were kind of frustrated because they didn't go to college and for them that was important that's important and it still is i mean it still is you know every student doesn't shouldn't go but that's still you know kind of a big deal but i really love that story um so okay so i also want to understand so where did you learn to professionalize yourself in the film industry because um i asked this question because many artists it's impossible for them to be thinking about business at the same time and um, how did you learn to do that? Did you have a model? Did you go to take a single business class? Or what, like, how did you figure out? I mean, even us sitting here and, and you know, your wife was kind of working for you and you have an assistant here. So there takes a certain kind of a, a mindset around that. Yeah, you learn that, um, unfortunately, when you are older. Because really? Okay. When I was young, it was everything about passion. Okay. You know? And at some point you are like, 
yes, passion is great, but this is also a business. Okay. And we need, we need to learn a little bit what are the rules for this business. Okay. And it's when you start thinking and how the system works and how others do to get the money to make the movies. And then you start copying them. So yeah. what were you looking at that made you, did you, did you make a mistake somewhere? You're like, oh gosh, I got to figure this out. Or did you actually like, you know, like roll into it like, I know what I need to do and you didn't make a serious grave error. Right. I think that, no, the mistake, um, it's that I wish that I would have been cheekier earlier, you know. I think trickier? that there is... Did you say trickier? Cheekier. Oh, cheekier. I think that there is a change between Generation X, which I'm Generation X and Generation Millennials and Generation yes. C, that is that um, to us, they taught us that you will have to work really hard and your moment will come. Yes. That's, sorry, that's yeah. bullshit. Yeah. That's yeah. bullshit. You have to ask for it. You, you have know? to ask. And then I was 30-something and I start saying, hey, no, I mean, I already work hard. I've been 12, 13 years working as an editor, you know, making short films. The short films have been in these film festivals and they still don't take me seriously. I want to start asking for that. The difference is that you have these millennial guys that they are 21 or 22 yeah. and they they, I'm not saying that it's bad or good, but they feel very entitled to say, no, I want this and I deserve this. I've been working here six months or a year and I want to rise, you know. I would have never thought of asking <laughs> for a raise when six I was months? before, you know. Mm -hmm. um, right. So it's, it's kind of different. And I think that for me that's been a mistake. If I could go back when I was 24 that I already had some short films that were yeah. in festivals, I would have been like, hey, you know what? I have these scripts and I want this made, you know, and I want to fight hard to have this made. But instead of was like, Oh well, you know, no one is paying attention. I'm gonna keep making short films, and my moment will arrive. No, mistake. doesn't arrive. Mistake. You have to really you be have, intentional. You have to work for your moment. No one is gonna show up, you know, with a magic wand and say, "Hey, here is your moment." No. You know, I noticed that about the 2024 Sundance Film Festival, um, Alex, compared to 2003. Um, in 2003, I'm not suggesting you didn't have to work hard, but definitely opportunities would show up a little bit easier because there was no gatekeepers, there was no security, you know, like you said earlier. So there's just, there was less barriers. I mean, yeah, I remember I back in those days, you know, you could pick up the phone and get the CEO of any company almost and just say, hey, I want to talk to you about business. And, you know, you could get in there and get a meeting. And now it's a lot harder. So I agree with you. I think that the younger generation that is working on developing films, they have to have some kind of, they have to have some intentionality in their brain and some kind of a business smarts or yeah. business minded in like some kind of way, some little bit. Um, and, and the one thing I, w I also want to ask you too, speaking of business, the ownership conversation. So what I'm noticing is that some people have an ownership mindset and some people don't. Um, I know it's a little different in the film industry because you're dealing with really complicated distribution systems. And if you can't get distribution, you like your film dies on the vine, like nothing happens. And so, you know, the, the industry still controls distribution. However, um, I am noticing, and these are really big superstars, right? Um, you know, the really big superstars like Kevin Hart, he's got a production company, merchandise. Right. Also, he's got additional streams of income. Um, Issa Rae just um, started her Prosecco company, right? And Tracy Ellis Ross, yes, I know, Diana Ross's daughter, and she's, she's a, a supreme, sublime actor anyway mm -hmm. in her own right. And now she has, a, you know, a hair company called Pattern Beauty. Um, these are giants. I do believe that that concept is... Uh, is is possible with you know other filmmakers and artists like you can still have additional streams of income what does that look like speaking merchandise you know um, being paid to go to corporate corporate offices and talk about how do you how can you be a creative person you know what do you need to do mr corporate mrs mrs ms corporate you know things like that have you thought about that like how do you because 
you know, when you when you sell your firm away, you're selling away a lot of rights, correct? Correct. You're, you know, you're keeping something royalties, and you have, you know, um, cue sheets and things like that. But what about the other money? You know, I mean, you and I both have families. You, you have to. What do you? What kind of things do you think? And I, I'm asking not only for yourself, but for people that are listening, younger people that are artists. What can they do to come up with other ways to make money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely agree. You know, when you are a director, and this is the way it works in Spain, um, you wrote a. A script, yep. and the moment that you find a production to produce that film, a production company that they are not going to put money, they are just going to go ask for the grants, you give all the rights for your script. And there's no way around it. There's you no you way won't around find, it? You won't find a producer in Spain that will tell you, I'm going to help you produce this movie without giving me all the rights. You won't. Okay. A different thing is that you are a director and you create your own company and then you go like, hey, I'm going to partner with you and let's see what percentage of the rights we have here. But, but as a single person, yeah. you know, as a physical person, yeah. forget it. So okay. you just give your work for free and then with that, they try to shop it around to get money from the regional government, from the central government. And this is the way movies get made in, in, in Europe, not okay. only in Spain. Oh, okay. Right? In the United States, it's different. Uh, it's private investors, and maybe you can negotiate it a little bit more. That I don't know, because uh, I don't really know that much the American system. You know, mm -hmm. I'm starting to realize now that you know that you need a manager, because if you go and call, uh, email someone, it's not like what you were saying in the past, you know, they're probably not gonna answer back, things Too like much. that. So you need intermediators, that's what I'm seeing here, right? Okay, interesting. But I think that there is more leverage in negotiation in the mm -hmm. United States than, than in Europe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm just thinking and, and looking at your T-shirt. Um, I don't know if this is a friend of yours, and don't my don't daughter, mind me. My daughter gave me this. I love it. I love yeah. it exactly. So I'm thinking to myself as I'm looking at this, like <coughs> I should have on my Honest Field Guy T-shirt. You know, you should have on your name right. and your film production company, and we should be advertising our exactly. brands, and we should be saying, oh, you know, go to www.workcreative.com yeah. and buy yeah. this merchandise. Right? That's what we should be That's, doing for these yeah. additional streams of income. I agree. And I think you know that the, you know you talk about having a business mindset, you know. The ownership mindset, you know, feeds into that. If you believe that you own your ideas and you own your creation, you can find ways to take that. And I know some people are like, "Oh, do we have to monetize everything?" Yes, you do as an artist, <laughs> unless you're, unless you're, yeah, I mean, unless you're a venture capitalist or you're working at a bank. Like, yeah, you have to like monetize everything because otherwise you'll be yeah. broke. Like, you'll be broke and you can't get, you can't make the money no, to make your next project. It's, it's right? It's very difficult to yeah. make a living as a filmmaker. That's something, I mean... So you got to love it. There are some lucky guys, you know, that are in, a, in the right spot. Or I want to think that they will come from wealthy families, which is also, I mean, I have nothing against that. I mean, lucky no, them, you yeah. know. Uh, but if you are not in those positions, you have to make it work. I mean, I recommend... Uh, for instance, if you really like to make movies, being an editor, it's something that can give you, you know, or an assistant editor okay. can give you some good money because at the end, everything that we watch has been edited. You sure. Know? Um, this isn't going to be edited. This is not going to be edited. <laughs> <laughs> no, this editing. This is against the system. No, editing. You know? It's against the system. This is yeah. against the system. Um, yeah, this is, this is real <laughs> grassroots filming here, people. This is, this is, <laughs> this is not Alex's uh, work. Um, so I love this. Um, so I, um, so you know, this has been a really great conversation. I'd love to talk more sometime about the ownership mindset because I do think that there is coming a time right now where people that make art, like you do, and like I do with my band, right. and even with my other artistic endeavors, right? 
it's, I think that more and more people like us are realizing I gotta figure out how to make other money that lasts to my through my generation and maybe something that I can like I can make money while I sleep or right. you know like what does that look like should I put out a book on you know how to make a documentary you know I mean I don't know because right. now that she's won this award you know through Sundance this major major grand jury prize it's a 2024 Sundance award oh my god like seriously just yesterday I mean I just imagine that you know you're gonna get a lot more attention you're gonna um, hopefully um, receive a lot more opportunities and mother calls because I mean even though you've been to Sundance before and you're an alumni um, it's like this is a big deal so this means to me how do you take this and say how do I figure out how to make money with this like uh, more money additional money with for my family my first thought is I'm gonna make t-shirts <laughs> I swear to God I'm gonna I'm gonna put like the masterpiece <coughs> I mean that's a great title yeah how did you come up with the title I need to ask you that my gosh I almost forgot like, it's a translation of the original title you know uh, actually Sandra um, the wife of Jewish you, wives my yeah, friend yeah, yeah. I mean she's also my friend I think she was the one who came, you know, because there was this brainstorm. No, she was like La Gran Obra, you know, which translate like... La Gran Obra? La Gran Obra. Translate like... La Gran Obra. The Great Work. But, you know, but I was like, hey, no, guys, I mean, for the international version, The Great Work does not work. I love the masterpiece. I love it, because you know what? I'm a masterpiece. So are you, right? Like, it just, it just, you know, like, when you think of the word masterpiece, when you think of the phrase the masterpiece, or even the word masterpiece, you have this... You have this idea of something beautiful and grand. It like bring, it are, like a movie's already heading through my head right now. I don't even know what's going on in your film, but because I'm going to watch it as soon as I can get my hands on it. So I just really love that. Well, listen, this is so great to talk to you, Alex. I really appreciate it. I'm grateful. I have a couple of basic questions to close this out. They're really simple. Okay. And I want to know, I feel like you already told me this, though. This is like my question. Like, what is the number one film that made you feel something really deep as a boy? Is it the film you told me about I earlier? La Jete, probably. That's that, the one? Yes. You were just... Yes, and it then I, w I was telling you, I like, back then when I was a kid, I like um, 12 Monkeys, because yes, Terry okay. Gilliam, I think he's a great director. I also like um, Unforgiven, because oh, yeah. that was like the last film that I watched with my father in a theater, oh, okay. and I remember that experience of going to my fa with my father to a theater that then, I don't know why, it never happened again. It happened again with my movies, but not, not you know, to hang out in a, in, in a movie theater together. And I thought that, you know, he didn't like it at all because he was like... The uh, Unforgiven? It's one of the greatest ones ever? But he was looking for something else, you know? The what? kind of, of um, all-Western, you know? Yeah. And this was like the pitom of oh, the yes. Western when everything goes down. Yes, yes, yes! And there is no return. The last Western. And he would not, not understand that. But I was like, this is very interesting, you know? You have this kind of badass guy saying... Bring him water, bring him water, mm -hmm. and he, he just shot it, you know. So he's not, he's he's changed. He's this yep. kind of different. He's an anti-hero now, you know. So that I changed. I mean, that actually, I believe that film is one of the films that changed the modern, um, you know, um, cowboy, right. you know, yeah. film. You know, it, it sort of changed the tone. It was very groundbreaking at yeah. the, for its time, yeah. and it, it it impacted a lot of other filmmakers oh, wow. that were, you know, in that genre. So my other question is. Um, and this is so silly. What is your favorite candy? Or if you don't want to answer that question, what's your favorite go-to shoe brand, athletic brand, if you have one? Uh, Either that candy or, or shoe. Which one do you want I to answer? I can tell you what if you want. I would like both. Yeah, my my nicest shoe brand is the Asics. You know, there are different brands and models. 
very like them and they're very comfortable. I'm I just love it. giving them money now to them, you know? Yeah. I, well, not, I mean, sort of, but <coughs> yeah. Have to this is not a paid commercial people. The masterpiece version of the ASICS uh, shoes. You know? I love it. I love it. And the, the candy, I like, I like chocolate. I die for chocolate, yeah. yeah. Any I'm kind of chocolate? Soccer. Yeah. I mean, well, do I you mean, have a, a famous the, like a, a chocolate bar from the, Spain that you love? Like, yeah, I mean, the, whatever has uh, nuts on it. I really? Like, any yeah. kind of nuts? Yeah. Also because Pistachios, my, my, peanuts, yeah. cashews, walnuts, my, my, almonds. Yeah, okay. I love it. Also because my younger, he's allergic to nuts, so I cannot have them at home. And then if I get one, I have to sneak it, you know, to yeah. sneak it in home and my wife doesn't realize or eat it outside. Yeah, because you'll get in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, because my, my, my middle son has an, has an almond allergy, so yeah. I can't. That makes it more, you know, even You're more. You're like, more, I right? want the candy. Exactly. <laughs> I love this. Well, listen, thank you so much for spending time with me thank on my you. show, The Honest Field Guide, Alex. Um, everybody needs to... Be on the lookout for the masterpiece by Alex Laura Circos. This is his first big giant award from the 2024 Sundance Film Festival, the Grand Jury Award for short film. It's fantastic for you to be here. I'm glad I happen to be crossing into your greatness. <laughs> and um, you can read a short bio about Alex by typing his full name, Alex Laura Circos, that's C-E-R-C-O-S, into ChatGPT. Or you can search Alex Laura, just Alex Laura on Google, for thousands of citations, including his profile on the imdb.com. Yeah, you can do alexlora.com because there is another Mexican yes, guy I know. Alex Laura. He's a great, you know, musician. Yes, and that's what came up on ChatGPT. I have a very nice <laughs> anecdote of traveling to Mexico to a film festival, and they came to pick me up, you know, with the name Alex Laura. Oh. And they was like, hey, I'm Alex Laura. And they were like, oh. I was like, I thought he was going to be the musician, you know, so I'm a little bit disappointed. <laughs> You're like, yeah. thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Well, you know, just just they wait until they see what you what just happened to you. Yeah, yeah. But AlexLaura.com, they're fine. Everything. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So, yeah, ChatGPT is, is kind of iffy. Sometimes you put a, a prompt in there and it doesn't completely come up with the right stuff. So I put your full name in and then I got the right person. Okay. You'll get a simple bio, just a real quick bio, but... Google actually gives you more of a rich, you know, picture of who you are as a right. filmmaker and all the different awards you've won. So, listen, I'm Ginja. I am Alex. And we'll see you next time on the Unspill Guide. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs>